Welcome back to the newly branded and highly anticipated Refuel podcast with Historics Auctioneers. This is your VIP pass to the thrilling world of all things four wheels. Join us for a spirited ride through the classic cars, modern marvels and the stories that fuel our passion. In each episode, we go beyond the engines and into the personal experience of our celebrity guests. Today, I'm joined by Tim Pollard, Group Digital Editor, very posh, of Bauer Media's Automotive Division, and Historic's new auctioneer, Dan Godin. And we're going to do a bit of trend forecasting. So stick around, you're in for a treat. Buying or selling a classic car? Head to historics.co.uk or click below for a free valuation. Welcome back. It's 2024 and it's Baltically cold, minus five degrees here at the Historics HQ. Sorry, Tim. Now, before we get started, please do hit subscribe. It literally takes two seconds and it's extremely easy to do. There will be a button somewhere down here, so please do click it. Now, if you're listening, then please do leave us a review. And if you do enjoy listening to our podcast, it really helps us and it allows me to bring you fabulous guests just like Tim. Now then, good morning, Tim. Hello, and thank you for having me on today. You're welcome. Sorry, it is so cold. We'll survive, we'll survive. Yeah, we will. It is cold today, (laughs) middle of winter, but hey, keeping us on our toes. So before we get started, what I wanted to do is have a quick brief overview from yourself on how the digital world, social media, has impacted journalism and changed the way in which we sort of engage and work with our car journalists in the modern sphere. How is that working for us at the moment? Well, it's a fascinating time, isn't it? Because, I mean, I, I started my career in journalism in the late 90s, oh. and obviously none of these social media platforms existed, and now they're, they're prevalent, they're everywhere, aren't they? They are. Um, it has changed it. So rewind. When I started out, uh, my, first, um, my first job was on a local newspaper, oh. then I worked my way up into, a, uh, into my first job in motoring on a local paper, then yep. I worked onto a, uh, onto a fleet and company car magazine, and eventually landed at Autocar, which was the job of my dreams. Yes. And there was only, there was a, you know, a weekly magazine. There was no website even when I arrived, or, or not really much of one other than, you know, a very early rudimentary one. So it has totally revolutionised the media landscape, hasn't it? And I think yeah, nowadays, the, the choice out there is extraordinary. You know, the sort of the, the, the ivory tower, which the publishers used to have, that yes. controlled, you yeah. know, control to the audience, the route to market, has just been shattered. And so in many ways, it's, it's a much more democratic landscape because you or I, anyone can go and set up a, a website. Anyone can launch a magazine with digital printing. Anyone yep. can launch a, a blog. YouTube channel. Yeah. Blog. You know, it, the, the choice is enormous. So it's a made it... A lot of information out there, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of opinions. And, and sure. a, a lot of competition. So yeah. mm. it's changed hugely. However, don't forget, we're also harnessing uh, all of these uh, new channels as well. So, you know, the YouTube, the route to market for video, the social media channels. So... Hugely different, but an opportunity for us. Yeah. Now, equally, like you, I started out in local newspapers, and I, you know, remember that ability that it was controlled. We controlled the local community, and what you wrote or what you published was what the local community engaged with. Mm. They didn't have anything else to really pull them in, other than four channels of TV, of course. Mm -hmm. And it is amazing how now you get fed things. You know, you're, you're on any any kind of social media channel or, or similar, it's, you've got stories almost being pushed towards you rather than you having to go and find them or reading a specific well, and, and, it's, and it's a lot of noise, isn't it? And mm. I think it's only going to get worse with the, you know, the arrival of mainstream AI, ChatGPT, yeah. yeah. some of the robo-generated, um, you know, generative AI is, is already changing the search landscape. Yeah, you know, so many are websites you, are Are you there. seeing any of that in journalism where people are, Starting yeah, to, oh, yeah, to use that in, yeah, I mean, in greatest I, ways. Uh, absolutely, people have been caught out by it. Aren't there? Some of, there's yeah. been a big publisher in America who was caught having uh, fake author yeah. uh, of, profiles. Lot, lot you know. So it's, it's already out there. I think in the UK, I think the big publishers are being 
probably more cautious. Everyone's looking at it. I yeah. think some people will be using it already. Um, but I suppose I'm, I'm interested in the plurality of choice. It's noisy. How do, how do people, if you're into cars, how do you know what to trust? Where do you go? And I think that's where we hope that Bauer Media, so the brands I work with, um, car magazine, yeah. Parkers and, and brands like that. We have classic cars, practical classics, classic car weekly, you know, a lot of a lot of um, traditional legacy media brands. We're on there, you know, mm -hmm. car magazine's got over a million followers on Facebook. So we're we're using it as another route sure. to market. And I suppose my personal view, boiling it down, you know, distilling it to the basics is but I think really we need to concentrate on quality. Yes. You, we all yeah. probably know there's a lot of stuff out there. It doesn't mean it's good. So I think we need to double down on editorial yeah. quality. I suppose, suppose Some, with your name as well, you know, you've been around in the game for a long time. Um, do you mean Car Magazine or Tom Car, Pollard? Oh, Car Magazine, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. Okay, <laughs> so yeah. 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 Totally, yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, that definitely helps. Well, it's, it, and that's where we must, you know, we must boost and cling and, and improve, you know, and really make a play on our quality. Because, I mean, Car Magazine's been around for 62 years, it'll be this year. We had our 60th anniversary in, um, in 2022. Um, we were launched right. in 1962, so there's a huge, you know, that, I, I always think that's a great responsibility actually to keep Absolutely, brands yeah. like that, you know, uh, keep them honest. They have to adapt, you know. But sure. I think storytelling can move with the times, as you know, our YouTube channels just passed 100,000 subscribers. We're really pleased with that. We're a little bit slower into the YouTube space, but you know, we're, we're kind of growing in those mm. channels, and it's really um, part of what we need to do. There you go. Right, now we know a little bit more about you two. Let's see about design cycles and how the contemporary design influences the perception and values of classic cars. So are there any specific designs that you think have really stood the test of time that perhaps you remember when they were new? Not to date you, well, be careful. In, in the sort of modern era, I think car design is a fascinating topic. It sort of goes through waves. And I think if you think back to the late 90s, noughties, we went for a real sort of retro yeah. So looking back phase, actually probably in the, in the 90s, you know, maybe with that millennium dawning, yeah. cars like the Audi TT, you know, famously Bauhaus influenced yeah. look, uh, and, and particularly the German brands actually. Minis, you know, the Fiat 500s all and went completely yeah. that way. Volkswagen Beetle, that was, yep. you know, launched with that sort of a uh, flower holder on the <laughs> dashboard, you know, very quite kitsch, but very, very looking back. And I think actually what's happened in the last two decades, you know, since then, actually there's a much more, you know, we've got electrification coming in, reinventing the car, this huge transformation which is sweeping through yeah. you know, every, every manufacturer practically. And I think now we're getting much more forward-looking, progressive designs. And I, th I find it fascinating. Do you look back? Do you look forwards? And I think good designers generally want to look forwards. Yeah. But mm. they go through some no-man's land where they're not quite sure because what they're doing. Because we're all influenced by mm. something. And I, I said this the other day about, you know, so a lot of more modern cars are almost reflecting 80s designs, but not directly. I.e., mm. do you remember when we had things that were much more monosyllabic and fins and futuristic? Mm. And that was sort of really through a lot of 80s culture, mm. where we were, you know, back to the future, and everything was talking about space. Okay. And we had all these very Orleans, sort of yeah, futuristic-looking yeah. cars. And now, of course, and one of the ones I thought was fantastic, and out of the blue, was the is it the Hyundai Iconic? Iconic yeah. 5, yeah. Which is, it, you look at it and you think, well, that's literally come from a movie. Mm -hmm. You know, that's mad. How is that yeah. driving they're, around? They're one of the brands. I think the Koreans are the ones who are doing the best work at the moment. They yeah. are yeah. carving, their, carving their own niche, aren't they? They're not following somebody else. They're not doing, well, it's a little bit retro because, you know, the pixel motif yeah. on the lights, the little, and they actually will reference that about how, you know, the pixel's really, really the, yeah. the point of our car. Um, but we've always referenced that in, uh, in, the, in the classic car sphere mm. because obviously it works generationally. Mm. And of course, so the 80s generation, if you, you put that relative to their age group, they're very much the, the buyers, the spenders at the moment mm -hmm. for classic cars and probably for modern cars as well. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're teeing into that sort of childhood memories of what you oh, used to like. You know? And I did say, well, when are we going to start seeing like slatted fins like we did on Testarossas? 
you know, because you know, we all thought about it. I think, it. you know, that if you think about the technology underpinning the electric cars, you know, really, it's almost, we could be about to enter a period where you return to the coach builder, really, where you just get a, oh, yeah. a skateboard get platform, I, whatever you put on top. Now, yes. I th- my take on it is that we're in this sort of, it is a transformation, it's huge, we're seeing if anything, actually, possibly duller cars. But I think we're sort of con- yeah, much constrained. Much simple, and it's a constrained choice. You know, the city car, you know, the Ford Fiesta being killed. That's yeah. a crying shame. My, yeah. my son's 17, just learning to drive. And it's like, we're okay because we can still get those cars. But in 5, 10, 15, they won't be, they won't be around. what will people yeah. learn to drive in? And I think at the moment, they're sort of trimming model lines. So the Audi TT, we've just mentioned, is, is being euthanized yeah. right now. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, yeah it's going. Yeah, well, yeah. that's I mean, a top tip for classics. Then, and the Audi R8, oh, an early, early yeah. TT is absolutely yeah. lovely, isn't With it? With that yeah. original design. And you can get them for you know a couple of grand, mm, yeah. I mean, one of the early ones, if it's they're not cheap. been molested. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're seeing constricted choice while they just focus on getting the big selling volumes. Sadly, a lot of crossovers and SUVs. And I think once we're through this period, I think we will get... I see Quite the other end, maybe. Yeah. We're, we're bound to be. Human well nature I wants interesting yes. design. Yeah, well, I, I spoke to a friend very early on in the sort of Tesla generation, and he went out and he accidentally, he said, bought a Tesla. He said he was walking around Westfield where they had that mm. pop-up showroom, mm. and he said, and the wife was shopping, so I thought I'd wander in there. He said, I came out with an order form. <laughs> I said, I'm not sure why. I'm a real petrol head. I've got V8s, V6s, and suddenly I've got this Tesla on order because it seemed like a tax-efficient way of doing it. It arrived early, which he was gutted about he didn't really really want it he said but I drove it and it was it's amazing but efficient mm. and that brings on to the point that you said about coach building cars because mm. I thought initially when they sort of thought oh batteries are on the floor cars of this ilk don't need to be as dynamic mm. we're talking about cars that could end up being on motorways with you know it's self-driving it doesn't need to be dynamic it just needs to be comfortable really because you're mm. going to be sat there mm. with it doing it all for you so why wouldn't you put all the batteries on the floor and be able to coach build and change much as they do still with buses and things mm. like that so it's only then when they started the, the sort of i'd say the the manufacturer fight became you know everyone has to get the best electric car to sell them again mm. they start putting batteries into parts of the chassis you start thinking ah well now we're into a different ball game again because we're now going into trying to make the very best drivers electric car it's going to, I, I think design is possibly stuck in a bit of a bit of a rut because you know this is a this is a should could or should be a, a clean sheet moment and actually mm. most of these electric cars look you know maybe give or take a high and ionic five look remarkably like the cars that have gone before yes. so we, yeah. I, I, you know, a lot of enthusiasts we at car magazine are sort of just waiting we're wanting to champion the next big thing and for you know a breakthrough company to come along not sure we've seen it yet well love it or hate yeah. it everyone talked about the Cybertruck because mm. it was just something different, something very, very different. Very yeah. different. You know, and I say, it is a love it or hate it. It made great press, great stories, mm. especially when... There was that great video. Of the, yeah, the, smashing the window. Well, no, the, oh, the, the Porsche 911. Yeah. Towing the Porsche 911 and beating the Porsche 911. The Porsche 911 that was... That's, uh, that's extraordinary. I saw it. I was over in uh, Los Angeles last year and saw it. There was a, an amazing exhibition. I don't know if it's still on at the moment it may have come to an end but at the um, at the Peterson Museum right one of you know one of the world's great car museums you should definitely yeah. go if you're in California and they, they had a, a Cybertruck there they, yeah. and it's the first time I've seen it oh my goodness yeah. it dwarfs an F-150 it's, it's absolutely enormous and, it it, and, it's, and it's listed it's yeah. now listed uh, I think in the last couple of weeks I've seen it go on to the uh, Tesla GB website you can now order one over really? here or, or put, a, put an expression of interest down anyway right. and that's that's mind boggling can you yeah. imagine that barreling down well they're, they're like you say they're <laughs> the first people that have sort of taken the standard electric cars that look like yeah. you know the usual sort of cars that we drive around in and made it something a little bit different a little bit more well modern. the irony when the first tesla model s came out is everyone thought it was a premium car and yeah. i actually now sorry if you're in a tesla close your ears i just think it was a ford mondeo mm. they're everywhere because mm. they are and actually very 
bland in their design. But they are quite, it's the most conservative part of it. Very conservative. I mean, Interior, design. not, yeah, no, but yeah, yeah. yeah design was... Well, I don't know. What's your take on that? What are they going to be like in the classic? Will they? Will the early well, ones? Well, it's a good question. The Roadster, I suppose, for the very yeah, first one. Yeah, the, the, the Roadster's Roadster. already worth That's money. Yeah, they're already it? they've already gone up in value. Mm. Um, but but the standard else? cars, I think they were like you say, they were sort of built to be mm. a standard car. Everyone yeah. has one. They're they're the new way. They're electric way. Um, and they're nothing special. But there's not. They're too popular. Everyone sort of has you one. Say of, that, you but know. I mean, we, you know, we're almost wanting for something to come along and dislodge it. But we've just done a group test with the Tesla Model Three, the sort of the high volume, big selling one. And it still keeps winning. It's won every group test that car magazines put it into. Is it? The battery tech, uh, the ease of, you know, the supercharger network, and the actual just the way it performs as an electric car is still very, very clever. So he does have a little secret yeah. sauce I think there. He's, he's still, he, he, he stole still the march, still ultimately, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. stole the march. Yeah, but the other manufacturers, are, well, they're, they're, they're very much catching up. But at the moment, it's still it's very still compelling. The and they've cut the prices. Mercedes, you know. BMW, yeah. all of the big, you know, Volkswagen groups, they were all hedging bets on different modes. They were mm. looking at, Hydrogen. They were looking at all of them without pinning one particular, you know, pony to the tail to the pony. They say, but they didn't actually pick one. Elon Musk had only one way to go. Went that way mm. and stole probably near a decade on some of the mm. sort yeah. of the march with these electric cars. The, the interesting will be the Chinese cars and whether they really oh, come. In. It is happening yeah. now. I mean, if you look at. Um, MG, uh, we've got to remember, obviously, MG is now Chinese-owned. Uh, you know, one of the fastest-growing brands, in fact, the fastest-growing brand in the UK, I believe. You know, they, they sold, last year, the numbers are just in yep. recently, they sold twice as many cars as Renault. Drove past... Mm. Uh, in the UK, would you believe? Drove yeah. past one of the SUVs of the day, it looked like a Mercedes GLC. Mm. And mm. didn't look, as it did six, seven years ago, you'd think, yeah. oh, MG, but it's starting to look a so little So MG is a name where, you know, your listeners will be, um, and viewers it will resonated be familiar with. the original. With, but, you know, BYD, build your dreams. Sure. Uh, BYD, you know, they are one to watch. They are coming yeah. at scale. Um, at pace, haven't they ever took Great Wall Motor, GWM, the Funky Cat, you know, some extraordinary names coming out. So do we, do <laughs> we think that these, I think it comes down to design rather than tech when it comes to them becoming classics. Whereas we're used to, for instance, with the modern classics, we all see this because cars have suddenly became built in greater numbers. Mm. So then you had the likes of Ferrari and the top marks. Obviously, what they would do is they would build a base model, which was popular enough, and then they would finite into these very small margins mm. when it goes up into the, a one of five, one of, and mm. that would mm. then become the pinnacle of the classic market when they became more collectible. But with these electric cars, this is this is always going to be the thing about whether they ever become collectible is because there isn't there's much fewer, I'd say sports derived it mm. seems to still be in the sphere of the likes of mclaren using battery tech mm. but alongside mm. combustion engines that are the still cars they're, they're basically more cu for comfort they are for built for that yeah. as opposed to oh, i haven't yeah, seen yeah. many that I'd i think it's going to come full circle but i think it, i think you're right it will, think it will. they will uh, once they sort of get their head around it mm. and start five ten years or so because you know once right. they've got their mainstream you know I, I don't i really pity them they've got to like they're in this phase mm. where they're having to build combustion cars or hybrids and electric cars, it's it, the sort of switch it. over. And I think once we've got to a point where actually the predominant chunk of their range is electric, yeah. they will start. A brand like BMW, look at what they've done. You look at that i3. That was that was a pioneering car. Oh. Yeah, that's almost people are still buying them now because they still yeah. look. They're really clever. Futuristic. They're yeah, really they clever do. and just technically interesting for people like us, and they're also great to drive. Whereas some of the you know, and, and they stopped doing that and did some rather blander cars. But a brand like BMW will come full circle. Imagine something like a Z1, yeah. you know, yeah. reinterpreted as an electric car in the next few years. I'm very confident it will happen, but we're going through this period of a bit gloopy sort of, you know, I'm not, yeah. you know, there's a lot of, I get a lot of cars and actually think, 
is this better than what we perhaps had five, still, ten years ago? Perhaps it's still a bit of nostalgia and holding on to the yeah. combustion engine, isn't it? But if I may, the, the, one of the bits that really annoys me is actually inside the cars, all the digital touch points and what have you. And I, I get in so many cars and go, yeah, this is not progress, guys. No, this I've, is not progress. my daily has driven me mad for a year because if I have to, if I have to press a button, I have to look for the button. Mm, mm. That's a backward step. Mm. We used to, we knew, I mean, don't get me wrong, because the old Japanese cars with 40,000 buttons in there, but generally mm. speaking, you'd know where your buttons were in the car, and without really taking yours off the road, you could hit play on something, mm. or you could turn your fans up, or something similar. The problem with screens is you have to look to find the button, because there's no definition mm. of that button. You have to prop your hand up on the edge yeah. of a screen to get yeah. the yeah. purchase. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's just because, well, let's be honest, we should be talking to the car soon enough, and it'll mm. just do it all for us. But mm. you're right, that's almost technology for technology's sake. They've ruined many a, a recent car, I think. I, and I think they are beginning to uh, understand that Volkswagen has been lambasted for getting mm. this wrong in many of, you know, in most of its mainstream cars. Um, and I've been driving a, a Volkswagen ID Buzz. Really interesting design. That's for the people carrier, yep. sort of um, electric um, people carrier that's just launched. And it's, it's brilliant in many ways. It's a really good electric car, huge for family space. I've got a golden retriever at home, you know, getting all your family in, it's brilliant. But it's just let down by this terrible touchscreen. Um, yeah. And it's got these capacitive buttons on the steering wheel. So it's not even physical buttons. They change their function and they yes, light up. And, yeah. and, uh, and it's really weird. They're, they're a step back from what this good old-fashioned buttons are. Is that, are buttons is that a, a new released car? Or yes. Yeah, it's, it's kind of brand new in the last six, six I think, six I'm months. coming back to your point, though, I think mm. in this area where perhaps design has got a little bit lulled because they're chasing technology, it might be the interiors that become something that almost in years to come sets one car away from another mm. you know think of the old citrons and uh, you know, crazy designs we had with ds's and some of the aspects of those french designers back in the 70s 60s yeah. even 80s that would set people apart thinking mm. oh you know that's different that's amazing that's where i think there's a fine line between interesting design and gimmicks as well yeah. because i mean the, the, the gwm funky cat <laughs> the Great Wall Motor Funky Cat, one of the Chinese electric cars which you can buy today. It's been on sale for about six to 12 months, I think, in the UK. It's got sort of, um, instead of a door bin down here, it's got sort of, uh, well, there's a, an area there, but instead of a sort of side on it of a binnacle, it's got sort of guitar strings, right. which you can, they're elastic, basically. It's like elastic. Oh, um, okay. And you can actually play a tune on it. You can play, <laughs> oh, really? but, so they've actually tuned them. And that's, you know, it's quite, you know, that's quite interesting. I don't yeah. mind that, but... Um, bit of a gimmick isn't it yeah, and I think yeah. you know that's where clever design aces it um, and will stand the test of time and you won't turn around in five years and go that's a bit embarrassing you want clever design that's innovative <laughs> not just for the and, sake of a story and that's where it's only really with the passage of time as yeah. you guys well know because you, you trade in it day to day that's, exactly. what make, yeah. that's what makes classic cars or modern you know, that's what makes we appreciate it because yeah. actually that was, that was a perfect you know, perfect so it, on that vein so sort of culture of 2023 2024 do you feel the culture is, is really informing people's decisions on purchasing so how we live our lives has because of these electric cars and the way is that really when we talk about the proliferation of digital touch points and actually we're sitting here slightly berating it you know when it's done well it can it can work and i think you know when you think about culture we are surrounded by screens all day long part of the reason why i don't want a screen in my car actually because <laughs> i spend most of my time in front of a laptop, laptop. Yeah. we're watching something at television you know you've got your, your smartphone or an ipad yep. and what have yeah. you but so i think the digitization is absolutely one of the key you know, lots of brands getting it wrong at the moment. They will learn from that because it should be seamless. You know, and I think that's one of the big differentiators now. If if people walk into a showroom and they can't hear a noise of a car or go, I want a two-liter, not the 1.6. You know, that's all going with electrification. Yeah. So I think the the way that the digital 
but the car syncs with your digital life, you know, aka yes. your smartphone or whatever your digital life is, wherever it sits in the cloud or in your pocket. That is a big frontier, and they're spending so so much money on this, getting the apps and the, yeah. You know, and actually, listen, some of it's brilliant. The fact that I come on, on a morning like this, yeah. you know, from from upstairs, tap a button and defrost my car. Ah. Happy days. Yeah. That's yeah. the kind of progress I approve. So, yeah, yeah, so technology is really the what's in this sort of, I'd say, in in, a, in our modern culture, technology drives everything. It's really starting to drive mm. the way that cars mm. are, because obviously we grew up in an era where cars were aspirational. Mm. And it was about noise and mm. speed, mm. and there's no point to speed realistically in electric car because they're too fast already. They're all, almost Go, all get in a yeah. yeah, get in a model Tesla, uh, model S Tesla, and put it on ludicrous mobile. It's too far. You well, can't even use humble that. ones, even even quite humble normal ones. I mean, the ID Buzz is probably one of the slowest electric cars I've ever driven, and it's yeah. just I'd call it ample. It's fine yeah. for a vehicle of that type, but even quite mundane, cheap electric cars are really quick. Yeah, because <laughs> well, oh, yeah. so there's that instant torque. So, and let's be honest, most of what we drive is more about instant talk than it mm. is about high-end speed because mm. we can't physically really use mm. that. So I don't, It's the MX-5 argument, isn't it? I think we, we, we will get to a point very quickly, I think, or, or reasonably quickly, where the old-fashioned metrics of what makes a good yeah. car to drive, you know, the response, the fact it steers nicely. You know, a lot of electric cars, you know, the BMW i3 I mentioned, I lived with one for, uh, for a year, uh, absolutely loved it. It, was, it felt like a BMW. And yeah. I think when you think of the best, I suppose the brands which I think of who utterly know how to give a good driving experience BMW famously you know the ultimate driving machine um, Porsche I love the fact that you can get into any, any Porsche and the controls feel the same even in a Taycan even in the mm. electric one they've somehow made the, the, the pedals, pedals Porsche do little tea so oh, I so got into so a Macan and I said well does it, it's got all these all these are options why has it not got keyless entry mm. and the answer was because we still want people to get into a car put a key in and turn it right, and right. even if you opt for their rather expensive keyless entry mm. There is a, in effect, a fake key mm. in a barrel. And the keys are the shape of the car, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. still have to get in and turn a key because they still want that soul mm. of, uh, yeah, of the about to show, I think, in fact, next week, they're about to show, so by the time this comes out, around about now, they're showing the new Macan. Yes. I suspect might be a bit more. <laughs> it's all electric. Mm. And so interestingly, because I have one, is that apparently the, the residuals are holding very well on the current Macan because mm. the reason everyone bought that was because it was that the last of sports car mm. SUV. Mm. So... The moment it goes from sports car SUV to electric SUV, it really does drop into the, the grasps, I suppose, of mm. all of the other premium mm. manufacturers mm. and ultimately then becomes, well, what's your differential? What's the difference between the Porsche and a Mercedes? What's the difference? Mm. Because mm. it always used to be about the soul, the engine, the fact that it is still a well, Porsche. They, they will argue, and we, we, we've driven it, not, not myself personally. I think Ben Miller, the editor of Car mm. Magazine, has driven a prototype of it and, and reports it's still very much a Porsche. Yeah, they said driving-wise drive, yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's but just, you're right, the noise. The, yeah. Yeah. And that's fascinating. It's going to come back to us again and again. I, for me, it's anathema to hear... You know, pipes, fake yeah. engine. Well, I think it's bonkers. And yeah. like the Abarth 500, so the, the, the go faster Fiat 500. Um, I, one drove past me in Cambridge. I was visiting my mother the other day. One drove past me. I couldn't believe it. It had like a <laughs> fake petrol engine yeah. always coming out. It was, um, it was embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that happened. I mean, Audi did that with a diesel. You had mm. a diesel that made a petrol exhaust yeah. note Isn't on it. Interesting. Well, I think it's a very confused time. I think, yeah, I think exactly. the manufacturers are quite confused. I think punters, you know, I think old-fashioned enthusiasts or people who, you know, some people, they fall into 
various camps, don't you? People who just want to stay with. Yeah. You know, I don't this is all rubbish. I want to stick with my petrol. You know, <laughs> trying to sort classic. of bridge the gap, but it doesn't. Um, yeah. Most people are probably somewhere in the middle. They're, they're not quite sure. They'll have a go. They might love it. They might hate it. I think most people go into an electric car. It's a bit of a one way gate, I think. Not many people come out. You do hear of people. No, not many. Out, but I, I think, think most people the major have a multi car garage. Yeah, the major them. argument yeah. appears to be sort of more about hybrid over full electric and whether you yes. want to plug it in or whether you want a bit of both at the moment. Yeah, and that's that yeah. safe ground in between, which suits manufacturers because it means they've they can sell something in the meantime yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, you know, don't forget this year there's a new um, ZEV, uh, zero emissions vehicle mandate. Yep. So 22% of cars sold this year must be electric. Well, that's sort of slightly, Let's I'm not sure most people realise that. Yeah. And that's, that's huge. So we are, you know, legislation, yeah. looking at the wider culture, what's happening in the world. You know, it's coming, folks. I mean, to me, it makes a lot of sense in a lot of commercial vehicles. It makes much more sense from an environmental issue. But the problem, of course, with the commercial vehicles is they need that much more power, so therefore mm. it becomes more mm. difficult. Mm. Because ultimately, if you walk around London, the, the biggest inconvenience is buses, any lorries. Mm. They're the ones that really benefit from it, but ideally they're the ones that, that don't really work mm. in that area yet. Mm. But that's all down to batteries. And let's be honest, Elon Musk will take over the world before then, so <laughs> he'll be decreeing what to do from Mars. <laughs> so, forecasting. Yes. And this is a large part of what we do every day. What would you say, if we get our crystal ball out, mm. and we talk about what we can see now, mm. what do you generally think in 30, 40 years? That 30, 40 years, wow, okay, long term. Well, yeah. You could say 20, modern classics, but I think, are there any particular brands, cars, that you think really will stand the test of time, that really will become something that could become classic collectibles? So, we've spent most of this podcast thus far talking about you know, the confusion. It's, it's a time of transition. Mm-hmm. There's a time of confusion. It's quite volatile. I do think that um, some brands you see today will disappear. It's mm-hmm. going to be. I think there's going to be a squeezed middle. We've seen this for a long time already, um, and there's been a lot of consolidation. Um, the, the Stellantis Group has actually hoovered up a lot of those brands, and actually some of the French brands are doing really well. You know, Peugeot, Citroën. There. I think people are learning how to sort of um, navigate this new space. I think you'll see brands increasingly leaning on their heritage. Mm-hmm. I mean, Renault, for instance, they're not part of Solantis, obviously, but um, Renault are going to show the five electric at the Geneva Motor Show in March. Actually, it's February um, in 2024. Um, that's a willfully retro yeah. car. Mm. And it's really interesting. We, we talked about retro cars in the late 90s. I almost wonder if at times of uncertainty, you know, millennium's coming, millennium bug, you're all, you know, there's a lot of kind of looking back retrospective design then. And I wonder if the it's moment of... safety. I think, I think some brands, not everyone will, because not everyone has a back catalogue. Renault have a, an amazing back catalogue and, yeah. and, and a history of uh, producing interesting, slightly quirky cars but uh, I've seen the Renault 5 it's um, it's absolutely amazing but it's going to be very very like the concept car they they have shown Um, and you know you're going to see people do that you'll see I think the brands which have traded historically on sort of sporting ambition we've already mentioned BMW Porsche um, and they're already doing it you know the Taycan is an amazing it's a really good car to drive it's quite good to look at if, you know, it's not I don't mind socks it. Off. It it might, will it be a classic in 20 yeah. years I'm not sure that's, that for me is the interesting thing and mm. I'd love to do you think out of interest the sort of Chinese manufacturers that you mentioned before some of these new brands coming through do you think any of those might become sort of a future classic with what you've seen already or is it sort of I, it's, I, I'm not sure I do at the moment but I, I the one thing I would say is do not underestimate them mm. I think you know the power in the power in that part of the segment peril. yeah because they, they are coming they're coming at numbers I what they've you know, produced already that 
Um, like they sort of yeah, they, they will. What they do, and what is what we need to watch out for, and you know, the sort of legacy manufacturers need to watch out for, they will just iterate really quickly. Mm. You know, it wasn't very long ago, five years ago, even you know, ten years ago, we would um, go to the Shanghai Motor Show or the Beijing Motor Show, and it was almost you know, risible. People, you know, people would come back and write reports about how they were just cloning Western, and it was. It was quite, yeah. it was well, quite yeah, funny. Quite, actually. It was, yeah, it was yeah. very, and, very yeah, funny. And it's a bit of that, but you need to understand that's almost in Chinese culture a way of it's almost a form of flattery. It's not. Sure. So you need to get inside the mindset. So to westernise, I looked a bit risible. Um, whereas now they're coming with very on-point cars, which have amazing technology at prices for undercut Western manufacturers, although not by as much as you might think. Um, so we need to watch out. They are going to come at scale, I think. And you know, a lot of analysts agree that you know by by 2030, they will probably have the bulk of you know, or 2030, 2040 sort of time frame, they will probably have the bulk of uh, mm. the EV It'll market. It'll be interesting whether they must, because obviously classics tend to sort of sphere out of the sort of sports car well, we do that, that you make. Is, so yeah. it very much depends, I think, if they can... If they go into that Naturally, the, you normally, you, you need to get your bulk sale. I mean, and traditionally, mm. rally cars, sports cars, Formula One, you do so, this homologation, yeah. you'd, you'd almost create a car at a loss to be able to sell mm. your... Your, your brand and thus your, your main yeah. seller and whether they go into that or whether because of we said about the modern trends with technology they need to do that because mm. ultimately if the technology is better will that sell their car mm-hmm. or will they need to much like the traditional brands go into traditional branding and, and motorsports or yeah. racing do you think apart from Formula E you know we're still it's very early days and things like rallying you know yeah. if you, I could well imagine that happening well listen by 2030 2035 if rallying is to exist, it will probably yeah. have to happen. So, and I, I'm open-minded about that. I'm, I think we need to be, and certainly car magazines' perspective has always been to try and be quite progressive. You know, we're not going to stick our head in the sand and say all electric cars are bad. Stay yeah. clear of them. You know, we, there is innovation happening. It's very, you know, and I, and I think the, the brands which have, will prosper in future will be ones who can just sort of navigate this transition. Yep. They will bring with them the likes of BMW, some of the German brands, or, you know, the, the British brands as well, you know, Jaguars and Land Rovers. You know, Jaguars are a very interesting case in point. They, yes, they've decided well, to they've go. They've almost been mothballed. It's rather sad to watch Jaguar right now, but they're on the cusp of some sort of reinvention. They've basically, going, they've gone, right, shut up shop, we're going completely we're innovative. We're going Bentley, really, now, mm. you know, which is, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? The You know, when you look around, you know, the, the sort of vehicles that you guys have, um, you know, most Jaguars, People associate with the kind of vehicles you trade in, and uh, this is a big reinvention for them. Yeah, all electric, exactly, yeah. very upmarket, very modern upmarket, um, and and uh, you know they're, they're you know the clever clever people there as well. I think it won't have that everyday appeal. You know, think of it when they're stretched down to the X type. I, was, I think we actually wrote, wrote a story about one of the cars you sold um, I think last year, the Queen's X type. Yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of the one of the historic yeah, um, cars that caught our eye on car magazine. We did a small small piece on that, but you know that was the the opposite end, that was the everyday, that was a Ford Mondeo-based car, yeah. whereas yeah. now they're going completely up there. That's, you know, be interesting to watch their space and see if Very it works. Very interesting. I must say, I was, um, I was over at Lotus, and they re- they've released that sort of really, a bit like in the vein of the Lamborghini, the big SUV cars. Mm. Oh, yeah. And Lotus being typically a, a very much sporty brand, I, c- I couldn't get my head around the idea mm. of they're, they're releasing a an SUV. I mean, as much as it was very sporty, very much like the Urus look, mm. It was an all-electric people made carrier. In, made in China. Yeah. Not, and not and you sort of looking at yeah. it. And, and interestingly, from a brand perspective, they were still very Lotus-like in the way that they were mm. marketing and very mm. sport-like. Mm. Everything was very keen about speed and, and the Lotus brand. But ultimately, it was an electric SUV. Yeah. Uh, Weighing probably not far off three tons. I don't oh. know the figure on that, but it's yeah. maybe more than two, nearly yeah. three, I think. And um, that's, that's the thing that I, I struggle with. You know, these cars are heavy. 
you know, yeah. and they're sort of, um, is that better, you know, more? Well, this is where I think it, it, as we go forward, as you say, in this changing period, is that where the big change is going to be? Because ultimately, these cars in this period are incredibly heavy. Mm. And as technology evolves, if that weight can be shed, mm. these cars will be tantrum to being useless because they will be too heavy, really, mm. to be... So some of these early cars, when you're you know, getting, getting the future gazing, uh, yeah. glasses sort of back on, it'd be interesting to so see. They are glass. almost like prototypes in production at the moment mm. because of the way in which it moves mm. so quickly. Mm. You know, Tesla really put them all on the back foot and mm. they all had to go very, mm. very quickly. Mm. So we're almost driving almost driving on the roads a lot of prototypes because mm. normally they would be for feeding these out over a decade period just slowly generating mm. a change a change a change but actually yeah like the likes of bmw other than the i3 suddenly went oh blimey we've got to go now mm. i think what one of you you're making me think a little bit of the circular economy which some of the manufacturers are looking at and you know the likes of renault are building factories to actually refit their cars and mm. almost take them in after the first okay. owner the second owner and, and actually do some work on them to almost sort of remarket it as a yeah. not quite a new car, but you know, and that sort of looking, and which I think is a the wonderful thing about the classic scene is, is that obviously that is you know is cherishing it's looking after cars. There's some stat that I think it's something of the order of 70% of all Porsches ever built are still on the road. Yeah, yeah. I think, and that, that sort of idea, which to me, true sustainability, because talking about trends in the market, sustainability is the big big one yeah. for me. Now, whatever your take on electric cars, whether you think they are. The solution because it's zero emissions at the tailpipe, or whether you get start sort of person who starts saying, Yes, but where does the energy come from? And yep. where does all the raw materials come from? The idea of looking after our products and not, you know, and not an just anti BCP yeah. culture, yeah. <laughs> just get a new car every three years and forget about, you know, as we know, it's, um, that's exactly the problem. The, the environmental issue is more about the churn of new for new for new for new. Mm. We all know that the uh, you know, the 40 year old V8 is far more, it's far better for the planet than you know, every two years getting a new Volkswagen up or something, because mm. that is the essence of keeping something alive. Mm. But it will be very interesting to see in coming years whether, because nothing's really started to drip into what I call the classic market yet. We haven't seen anything much into auctions with regards to electrications and yeah. cars yeah. like BMW that. I8? There must be a few There's a few. It's be long until they yeah. start. Yeah. I mean, we've sold... I thought the I8. A few of the I8s. Yeah, the I8, um, but they've not really, I'd say, clicked into it yet. There'll be the odd one. I don't think it's far away for the I8. Mm. I think that's, that's an iconic-looking car. Yeah. And that's it. It's, it's design, sporting focus. You're right. I, I think the familiar tropes of the kind of cars which enthusiasts yeah. or collectors, you know, it's not always sports cars. You know, there are luxury as well. But I think yeah. And also, know, the BMW is a good example yeah. of what and also in should become a. In collectible cars, the flawed genius is often always picked up. So mm. a car that didn't sell in great numbers or had flaws mm. actually becomes something well, that we... One of the early, early, like you say, one of the early Honda cars. Honda which is yeah. a, you know, Honda Re was a, it's a very interesting car. I lived with one of those for about, uh, during lockdown, actually, weird. I had it, um, as for a, I was locked in with a... <laughs> locked in with a Honda Re. Honda Re, and it was, um, you know, that, that was... Because the Japanese manufacturers, you know, that's where... I, I still love the plurality that you get in the car world. You know, you get the Japanese manufacturers coming on to it, just completely surprising you from time to time. Yeah. Um, you know, you see Toyota, who for a very, you know, for many years, decades even, you know, they sort of went through a very dull period in the noughties when, you know, they sort of almost forgot they had a sporting yeah. pedigree. And then and suddenly just here they come out of nowhere, the GR Yaris, and the, I've driven down today actually in a, in a GR86. Oh, nice, really yeah. back to basics, you know, manual, Car it's just fun car to drive. Car. Yeah, not trying and to put too much horsepower yeah. into something. And it's just, and those, that breed, sadly, is dying. You know, you've got the MX-5 is still here, but it's under a lot of pressure. You know, mm -hmm. the, the ZEV mandate, the, the crushing sort of pressure of um, emissions, you know, regulations, it's getting harder and harder. I think also yeah. with what people want these days is you're seeing more people want sort of SUVs 
big cars you see up, nice and high, comfortable cars. I, I think do they want them, or is it that they're being fed them? Well, well that's, that's, that's I don't question, know. His, I, his, I think it's a bit of both. Yeah, because yeah, here's a, so I've, it's as we all do, we drive lots and lots of cars, and actually that comes back to that comfort thing about driving has become less enjoyable because you can't enjoy it as much. Mm. And when it when you take away that enjoyment, then you are you do want to go into a big SUV which is more comfortable because mm. you've got no inclination to drive fast. Cameras and everything. Mm. You, so actually, you can't drive fast, can you? All and that again is yeah, and again modern trends and people mm. how people act. Mm. Sort of, I wouldn't say I would desire a big car, but when you're not getting any real enjoyment for the car, it's nicer to drive the big one than it is to drive the little one. Yeah, the sort of the, the, the wealthiest people I know in my sort of friends and network, are, you know, will probably have something like a Range Rover mm. or yeah. a Disco, you know, for the day to day, but they'll probably have something fun. And I think yeah. that car for purposes, rather than trying to get the, you know, the car that does everything, I think the, that's where I think it gets very exciting. The typical mm. car magazine reader or probably a lot of your yeah. customers, I guess, you know, will, will probably have that sort of The car third for car purpose. in the house. And house the car for fun thing. is where, yeah. you know, that's where we still on car magazine. And we, you know, we, we have a, it's a very broad church car. It was, it was launched in 1962 as mini and small car owner. That's, how, that's where it started. So it was always, it's always been writing about small cars, but also about exciting cars. And, yeah. you know, with um, uh, writers like LJK, Set Right, and so many of the great names who passed through Car Magazine and the stories, which we're still doing to this day. We'd, we've taken a uh, Ferrari to the Sahara. We've kind of recreated the 1990s uh, story when we took a Testarossa Brilliant. to the Sahara. And we've done it in the, cur- in the latest issue, the February issue of Car Magazine. And it's going to be part two in, in the March issue. But for us, that's what it's all about. It's about celebrating the exciting car, fascinated and watching and chronicling what's happening with the electric cars. Because mm. there's so much change. You know, it's, it's a, an amazing time. I feel very privileged to be here with a ringside seat and, you know, be able to be, have a job where I'm trying to make sense of it all. It's, yes. it's intriguing. Well, we've always said, what's changed in the motor car, really? in you know a hundred years we're still holding a steering wheel mm. we still have pedals we you know the engine's the only mm. real change it, at some point these changes had to happen yeah. and as they happen and as we adopt technology mm. the ability to innovate is is almost been open the door's been opened yeah. and the genie's out of the bottle and i think i'm we, we always try and prick the bubble of uh, don't believe everything you're told so the, the technological innovation autonomy mm. for starters you know i was driven in a fully autonomous car a decade ago literally hands off we went all around a test track at quite some speed actually and that was in about 2013 i think it was yeah. 2013 and imagine 14. how quick it's gone between at, the, at bosch's it was a bosch test track in mm. germany called boxburg and it was just amazing and, and you know really blew my mind here we are 10 years on people are still saying well it's just around the corner i don't mm. think it is it's there it's, it's just not well i, I really think skeptical. it's infrastructure problems it like depends where when you talk about autonomous cars and that's one of the big topics that most manufacturers do talk about you know people in their mind immediately go to it's called level five, like full robo taxi. Yeah. Drive me home from the pub, perfect. And it just won't happen where I live. There's no white lines on the road. The roads are crumbling. Yeah. It will happen in very. The motorways will be the, f- the motorways will be the first point of contact yeah. for that because you can actually control those factors. But that's where I always think once that happens, I mean, which is the level five, I think that's when the classic car and the sports car then really comes into its own again mm. because ultimately, and back to that story about the Tesla, they become modes of transports and not they are car, but not cars. Mm-hmm. Once they become modes of transport, it's a bit like getting in and out of a taxi. Yeah. Mm. That's really handy. It's very it's useful. Perfect. You can go you to the pub. You probably won't even own it. No. It'll be a sort of uh, exactly. you know, something you rent. You'll or hail. hail it'll just, yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. But then, of course, you'll want something in the garage mm. for the joy of actual driving, which won't be the same. Mm. The only question is, will the younger generations follow us along with this? Mm-hmm. Or will they lose that love and that's probably a lot of down to things like motorsport being yeah. able to keep that and i think motorsport you mentioned social media you know it's up to and, and you know we, we are trying to make sure we're topping up 
depends which which branch of our magazines you're talking about. You know, the mm. physical print magazine is still there. Isn't it interesting? All the naysayers a decade ago were going, oh, print's dead. No, it's not. No. It's here and actually doing quite well. And car, cars, um, ABC circulation figures going up at the moment. But we're reaching so many more people through, you know, through the website, through the social channels, through YouTube, through Apple News Plus, all these new ways of doing it, you know, reaching our audience. So we're right in the thick of that. That's brands. That's clever brands. Bauer Historics do the same. Through this channel, we are using and innovating mm. modern technologies to reach our audience, which then revert to that classical mm. way of so picking up and using the print. From our point of view, getting people to come to auctions mm. and actually physically attending real live, events. real live events. But you have to adapt and adopt and and find these people through the modern means. Mm. And you find them, and they do want to that traditional. But, but, but the interesting one is the, is the, the sort of age question, because you know, my son, I'm teaching him to drive right now, really quite enjoying it. Slash. No, I am. I'm fully enjoying it. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, but it's. I, I think it's. It's harder. You know, that it's a reasonably wide-held belief that fewer people, fewer young people, are into it. And I think when you look around, and a big barrier is cost. I think there's a story on the BBC News only this week. Three thousand pounds. Three thousand pounds to insure a car. Well, who can afford that if they're not banked by? Bank Tim, I'm, by I'm 42 yeah. and it's costing me a thousand pounds. I can. And that was. I know. That was what I used to have to pay when I was 17. Yeah, my, my premiums has gone up by about 40 yeah. percent to renew. Next week, actually, and get mm. onto a case of that. Um, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's scary. So, I don't know. It's a very different world, isn't it? Jammed up roads. If you live in an urban environment, you may not need a car. That aspiration to own a car, it probably mm. depends where you live and your circumstance, I guess. But I hope the future generations, you know, will get into it. It's brought me a lot of fun yeah. and um, pleasure over the years, and um, I hope they do. So, upcoming trends to look out for, if we had to name one. I think for me, the biggest trend, and we've sort of brushed on it already, but I think the sustainability thing, it's just mm. going to get more and more important. Um, you know, the, circu- the idea of a circular car, actually making it truly circular is quite challenging, but we're going to see that. But I think it's going to drive things in all walks of a motor in life, really, you know, down mm. to biofuels, e-fuels coming in. At well, that's what Goodwood. we're using at Goodwood. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say Goodwood, that's but biofuels. To it, and it's a very clever way of doing it, isn't it? And actually sort of, you know, allowing these cars, you know, so having to a carry pass on. to yeah. carry on, which for me is so, so important. You know, the beautiful cars around us here, you know, at Historics, uh, we're in, a, you know, in the lock-up here, it's amazing to see some of the cars over my shoulder. And I, yeah. You know, to enable them to keep going is fantastic, I think. Mm. And the idea of appreciating and looking after and nurturing the cars and keeping them going for longer is, is brilliant. I think that's a, a really big thing. Clearly, sustainability will impact the cars you and I are buying, the new cars we're buying, yeah. you know, and the, the turn to electrification. I think it'll be quite a fragmented future. Mm. I don't think there'll be one solution. I don't think that pure electric cars will necessarily, you know, no, I think fuel yeah. cells, some, some brand. I mean, As we said, you said earlier, you highlighted, although electric cars have become the norm and they've got this incredible torque ability and so on and so, the problem still comes to the fact that we all know they're not an environmental mm. solution. Mm. They're just a solution to a different problem. Mm. Uh, the environmental solution hasn't yet been really mm. manufactured. We're, we're still having to create vast amounts of waste and energy usage to create a mm. car mm. and ultimately that there is a problem for the environment and if you want to do that it's quite right it has to be more renewable but i think the, you know the, the concept of ownership there's a there's a phrase which they was very popular about five years ago called case that stands for uh, connected autonomous shared and electric and it was a big challenge for the manufacturers for germans in particular were using this phrase case mm. and um we've talked about autonomy for me i think actually you know the car most new cars, a lot of new cars, are virtually autonomous. You know, radar, cruise control. They're not far off, let's be honest. They keep you in your yeah. lane. For me, they're stepping stones to full autonomy. I'm a massive sceptic. I think full autonomy is almost yeah. a pipe dream. It will be decades. Yeah. I, I, I wish for it. 
because yeah. I think it would change it. I mean, my wife hates it when I get in the car and I turn on the lane, the pier, and I sit there and <laughs> sit back and sit my feet back. She said, what are you doing? I said, I don't have to do anything. Yeah. I'm here. I've, I've got the steering wheel. I think I need it, it. In, in places, of course, I'm, you know, when I say decades, I, that's for full autonomy yeah. around where I live. In the, in the middle of nowhere in the Midlands, it, you know, I, I think that's a long way off. Um, connected, well, it's already happening. You know, we, we talk about the connectivity in cars, but that's actually a way, you know, them communicating to each other. Mm -hmm. And actually, Waze does that, right? Yeah. yeah. You have, have Waze on your thing, that's telling you, you know, oh, there's an accident here. So, you know, that's, that's to be welcomed. Shared is interesting. I think this idea of ownership, you know, the typical modern car sits around for about 95% of its life being not driven. Yeah. It's parked up and clever people. I think that's a big one, actually. I yeah. think that will. Yeah come in why even things like uber and yeah. you know the way that the modern well why have 40 us. cars in a village when six would do and that's a huge mental leap though. i think that's for sort of a i think that's like a long way off but i think that, that will but it will come will from happen. urban living it will all be and, and most yeah, of the world is pushing towards urban yeah. living and the urban living will drive that anyways we could we could talk <laughs> about this until the cows come home and i hope you've enjoyed it it's a great insight, but before we let you leave, we're going to ask every new guest on our new Reformed Historics Refuel podcast a few questions. Okay. Uh, just interesting question about yourself and just see what you say to this. So this question, I'm sure you've been asked a hundred times being a journalist, a motoring journalist. What was your first car? Oh, my first car. My first car I bought for one pound. A pound? And it was a, a 90, it was a Y-Red, so that's 1982-ish Um Renault 5 GTI. It's a Mark 1 GTI. Mark 1 Brilliant. Renault 5 and it's unripe tomato red. Um, <laughs> and I bought it for a pound because I bought it off my sister. And um, There's the story though. I bought a pair. Yeah, that'll be and, forever. And it was uh, it was called Paddy and it was brilliant. It lasted about three years until I blew the head gasket and it was <laughs> so expensive to repair. I had to trade it in. But yeah, Renault 5. It? it was lovely. When you think about that though, divide that pound by three years. That's incredibly. <laughs> I know, 33 p. yeah. And of course, you know, they're going to be launching the Renault 5. There you go. Yeah. As we mentioned earlier. So, you know, it's come full circle. Like I can see a story coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, second question, and this is always a difficult one because we get asked this all the time and mm. it's very difficult to really sit upon it. Dream car, and it can be modern or classic, so it mm. could be something came out last week, it could be something you remember in the 60s. Car. What would be your dream car? I quite often give like, different answers when I get asked. Me too. We do get asked it a lot, but I'm going to say today, bear in mind where I am as well, but I would probably, if money were no object, the, the Ferrari 288 GTO. And that, the reason why, that was a poster on my wall uh, for yes. many, many years when I was younger. Uh, I sadly, I think when we moved house, I think sadly it got thrown out. I was a bit, bit sad, sad about that. But it was one of the, it was the, you know, the, the, the sort of uh, zenith, really, of those Ferrari specials. For yeah. me. It was the yeah. one that started it all. The F40, a lot of people talk about the F40. For me, I almost gave the one Two before. 80, yeah. yeah, see, I was a little bit later, and it was always the F40 or the Lamborghini Countach. Everyone had one of those posters. Yeah. It'd be interesting to know if you poll everyone, what poster, what car poster did mm. you have on your wall? There's, mm. There were four or five, I would think, that really got most of those trumped out. Um, that were a poster of Pamela Anderson, my age, we wanted to say, it's either of those two. Mm. Um, okay, so best road trip? Road trip. I'm in a very lucky position where we get to do quite a lot of driving and interesting mm. cars for, for work, um, and that, that sort of continues. But the one... The one that sticks in my mind, if you put me on the spot, I'm going to say uh, we, we do a test every year called Sports Car Giant Test in Car Magazine. And it was in around 20... Goodness, what year did it come out? I think it, I'm going to say it was around about 2012, 2011, 2012, when the, um, we went to the Route Napoleon. We spent basically a week in the south of France driving Brilliant. all the year's best sports cars. And I think to this day, it's probably one of the highlights of my career because we, yeah, sure. we had a 458 <laughs> Italia. Ferrari, we had, um, what else did we have there? We had um, a GT2 911, 
um, a Lotus oh, and Leeds. Brilliant. Brilliant. All the best cars of the year. So it's about six of them with the, the, the road testers on Car Magazine who a great bunch they're very talented they really understand cars they're just like it's you know yeah. being able to immerse yourself and on roads like that with weather like that and we went up Mont Ventoux oh. at dawn we got up went to the top of Ventoux to get the sunrise and I, I you know I just pinched myself moments really yeah. I get to drive a you know any type round either it's the best <laughs> idea <laughs> but, but you know you can do that in any car that's where the joy of you know going off and doing the North Coast 500 yeah. or going to Wales you know the, the roads around Snowdonia we yeah. often go to and I think you know, long may that continue. I really yeah. hope, and it doesn't have to be in a fast car. It doesn't know. at all. And that's where the joy of just you know getting in a, an interesting car on interesting roads. It's still we're still able to do it. And long yeah. may that continue. Absolutely. And one final question: What's your favourite song to drive to? Have you got a track that you would oh, you'd yeah. love to drive <laughs> to? Always. <laughs> and this could be embarrassing, though. That's why I like this be. question. I I don't, the honest answer is I don't. I, I have sort of, I quite often have six music on. I should be saying the corporate answer is Bauer Media and a lot of radio stations, so it's absolute radio all the way. But um, I quite often have six music on, and I'm an indie kid at heart, so sort of, indie music. you know, something about The Cure or something like that. I don't know. But yes, I think for me it's um, it's about yeah, enjoying the car and, and you know, the company you're with and the, the roads you're on. No, very, very good. Okay, let's wrap this up. Thank you both. Remember... If you've enjoyed this, do check out the Historics YouTube channel, which this will be on. The Haggerty website for car valuations. There are insurance partners. I could help you out, possibly. Uh, like and subscribe, and do comment. Let us know what you think of it. Let us know your songs that you like to drive to. And remember that all of our lots from our current auction are on the Historics website. You can click there now, and we're starting to consign for our March auction. You'll see a number of cars hosted on there, and also details on how you can get a free valuation from one of our chaps in the office, should you wish. Now, if you want to follow us on socials, I'm at Matthew Pretty. We're at Historics. You're I'm Daniel uh, Godin at Historics. And Tim, give us a couple of your own ones. I'm at, um, at Tim Pollard Cars on Instagram and Twitter. There you go. Uh, and probably other ones as well. And uh, at Car Magazine and at Parker's Cars. Two just are. a few thank you <laughs> <laughs> right thank you very much for joining us i hope you've enjoyed this and do stay tuned next time when i'll be with vicky and tom at the next auction venue thank you very much and see you for now <laughs>